that any area of our hearts or our minds or our belief systems that is not aligned to your will and your plan and your glory for this country would be realigned today as we sit and we seek you. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you minister to our hearts? Would you stir something up from deep within us, God? I just thank you for what you're going to do today. I thank you, God, that every word that is spoken would be, um, would echo your heart, God. And I just thank you that we're going to walk out of here different and expectant. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'd like to start by um, giving you a little um, insight into my journey. I haven't always been this proudly South African person. Um, I haven't always been this patriotic. Um, God has taken me on a journey over the last couple of years to shift my perspective. I grew up in a home that wasn't um, very South African um, positive. So the future of South Africa, it was quite a negative view of South Africa. Um, I was a victim to numerous crimes growing up, as I imagine some of you have been. And I've witnessed poverty and equality uh, for too long. I've, I've, I've gone, it's okay, that's just South Africa. But in 2014, God began to really shift me on this. Um, I got the privilege of being able to go to Bethel Church in America, and I was busy doing uh, my passports. And around about the same time, there was a wave of xenophobic attacks that hit Durban. I had become quite friendly with some foreign national car guards around the Belito area, and as these xenophobic attacks hit, um, I was in contact with them as they were running to find safety in numbers. And for this wave of fear and hopelessness just hit me like a tidal wave. And I decided that this is it. We need a plan B. We need to have something that we're ready to get our children out of here if we need to. Um, I went home and shared my urgency with my husband, Byron. And um, he is he's strong on certain things. And this is the one thing he said to me is, you are partnering with a spirit of fear here. We will never leave this country uh, out of fear. We'll only leave this country if God tells us to leave. So you need to go deal with that thing. And so I really began to press into God and ask him to shift me in this area. And I realized that I was partnering. I was allowing the spirit of fear to scream louder at me than the spirit of God. And in that moment, left to my own devices, I could have quite easily stepped out of the will of God. Now, don't get me wrong. If God told us to move, we would, it would be heartbreaking right now to move, but we would move in a heartbeat. But in this instance, God wasn't asking us to move. Fear was scaring me to move. Okay, so right now as citizens sitting um, in our country, we are filled with mixed emotions ahead of this week's elections. I'm aware that there are people sitting in this room that have completely lost hope in the future of this country. I'm aware that some of you have decided not to vote because you can't put your vote behind a political party. Some of you might even feel that you haven't even made up your mind about who you're going to vote for. Um, some of you have decided not to vote because what you voted before, uh, for, or who you voted for before, has not changed your life on the ground. Um, some of you have already booked tickets to greener pastures, and for some of you, that's completely impossible. Um, some of you might feel like God's abandoned in South Africa, and some of you might be feeling optimistic and hopeful and excited that we're stepping into a new season. But sitting in this room. There are a mixture of emotions. 
We are aware, right now as we stand as South Africans, we are aware of the history of South Africa. We are fully engaged in the reality of South Africa today. And to some degree, we're nervous as to what the future looks like for our country. I tend to feel that this was much like the nation felt in 1994, as um, Mr. Mandela stepped into, into power. There's a powerful scene in a movie called Invictus. If you have not watched Invictus, do yourselves a favor, and before, before Wednesday, watch Invictus for God to stir something deep within. I'd like to say that I would put myself on the soccer field. Expectance, hopeful, not chanting the name of a man, but chanting the name of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Because I know that he's the one that has saved South Africa up until this point. Regardless of which side of the fence you're sitting on, we need to have grace for each other in this journey. Um, we need to ask God that in this grace, he would grip our hearts for the plans that he has for our country. I'd also like to shed light on how that turned out for South Africa. Invictus is a powerful word. I looked up the meaning. Invictus means unconquerable and undefeated. And I really believe that that's almost a prophetic word that has been spoken over South Africa, that all of heaven sings over South Africa. We're unconquerable and we're um, undefeated, not because of us, we've messed it up, <laughs> but because of Jesus who loves this country so much. So I'm certain that just as God powerfully moved then, he is still moving right now. He's still on the move. We as a church and I personally have, been, have gone on a journey to try and understand God's heart for government and politics and the church's role in it all. As Christians, we've often viewed politics and church as two very separate entities that should never, ever be mixed. While we believe that the church as an organization should never promote a political party, it is it's actually important to consider that if politics and governance are actually how people of this nation are cared for, how they're uplifted, how they're given the best opportunities to thrive, it is then essential that we work out our role as a church and how we are involved in politics and governance. We need to search him for his thoughts and find examples of how he can guide us in this. So I'd like to go to my next point, that the church is a type of a government. Have you ever noticed that a number of political terms and political lingo is very much um, like biblical lingo? If we, we think about counselors and ministers, uh, judges, before there was earthly rule, there was kingdom rule, and our Western um, governmental system is steeped in and founded on God's idea of reign. I'd like to give us a little bit of history, so I'm going to read this a little bit. The word ecclesia is the original word used for church, and ecclesia is defined as a political assembly of citizens in the definition of ancient Greece, or the church members. So a group of ancient Greek politicians who came to Athens to debate is an example of an ecclesia. The collective congregation of a church is an example of an ecclesia. In fact, in ancient Greece, and this was something that I learned the other day that totally wowed me, in ancient Greece, before young men were eligible to vote, they had to study governance for two years in order to ensure an informed vote. It was considered 
vitally important that people be educated and informed in matters of governance before they were given the opportunity to place their vote. One of the biggest issues facing South Africa at the moment is that our current leaders are not affording our, the citizens the opportunity to be educated in their choices and in their options of voting. And that, that keeps people uneducated and it keeps political, corrupt political leaders in, in power. But it's not all doom and gloom because we carry the hope to educate. We carry the hope to be the citizens. And um, we as believers are blessed to have guidelines and governance at our fingertips within the Bible. The Bible is full. There's nothing new under the sun. We can look to the Bible for, for pretty much anything. And through our interactions in our society, our influence, the church you and I are the ones who can educate the citizens of our nation. So there isn't an absence of um, talk of authority and leadership in the Bible, and I'd like to read a few scriptures just to focus our attention on that. In Genesis 1 verses 28, it says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. In Genesis 2.15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Right here we see that God's rule is good and it's for you and for me. Then later in Isaiah 40, verses 10 to 11, we see a type of a powerful leadership. The power is to care for. It's the, the leadership of a shepherd to care for. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. I haven't personally witnessed this in our modern-day politicians. And therefore, if, if we forward on to now into the New Testament, we see how clearly God wants us to bring heaven-type governance to earth, to our immediate governance. This kind of governance is radically different from what the world sees as power, because in God's governance, um, power is to serve, to lay down your life. So in Luke 22, verses 24 to 27, it says, Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, In this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you, for I am among you as one who serves. So, if we look at this, both politics and the church have the same mandate, the same responsibility, and that is to care how the people are cared for, to care for the people, to care for the citizens. Politicians do this um, professionally and sadly, often with questionable motives and agendas, but. We as the church um, do it from a kingdom perspective. We have been given freedom to set other people free. We are loved to share that love. We've given, been given strength, power, and victory to influence and change 
people's lives. Those are the people like the widows and the orphans and the refugees. And I, I just want to ask that God would begin to, to just give you right now in this moment, those moments, those people in your lives right now that God is, is stirring impact for, influence for. So our main goal is to do this from a kingdom perspective. And a kingdom perspective is um, primary, primarily to love, not to get people saved and work hard. That comes as an after effect. But church, we have to do this from the place of loving all people, all citizens, all races, all religions. And out of that, God, God will work. His love is the, the, the biggest goal for us. While many of us don't see ourselves as government, we in fact are the very system God designed to, to govern in our spheres. We have unique gifts, unique passions, unique ideas that God wants to use to change this nation. As citizens of South Africa, he has positioned us, and it's our responsibility to impact, influence, and bring change. So I'd like to take us into um, the three arms of government. As we know in South Africa, we have um, our constitution, and it is built on, and I'm, I've been trying to get this word out, I don't know why I can't say it, but let's see if I can do it today. Legislature, is that right? Executive and judici judiciary. And I'm going to look at some of three of the most powerful people that we've pulled out of the Bible who did this really, really well in governments in biblical times. As a church, some of us are called to impact legislature like Esther. Esther was a woman who positioned herself at the heart um, of government. She risked her life going to the king to make an appeal for the Jewish people and for their future in the land. It could have very well cost her everything. She went against a powerful man named Haman, and this man was likened to Adolf Hitler. He was very, very evil. So there's a few things that we can look at with Esther that can really impact us. Esther stood when it counted. In Esther 4 verses 12, will you read with me? When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. We as Christians have influence, whether it's in our homes, in our communities, in our workspaces. The challenge from Mordecai here is, will we use this influence, and how will we use this influence? Or will we stand for the oppressed, or will we happily leave it up to somebody else to do? The next thing that I, I took out of Esther was that Esther acted without divine direction. Esther didn't have a burning bush that God spoke out of. Um, she didn't have a trumpeting, audible voice. Um, Esther, it was just everyday politics, just like we engage in every single day. Um, there was nothing great about where she was feeling called, but something inside of her. She wanted to make a difference. She wanted to right the wrongs. 
The story of Esther gives us great encouragement to the everyday works of politics. It hasn't changed, it's been the same for decades. Just like Esther, you and I might not have received a direct, audible, booming voice from God as to what to, to be doing, what to be changing, how to be standing up for the nation and the people in our country. We instead have to seek God in prayer and humbly walk the path where we perceive what is God is calling us to do is righteous and to be the right thing. Even now, as you, as you begin to um, seek God in who you're going to vote for, seek him, pray, ask God to show you, and then move what, what you perceive the right thing is. The third thing is that Esther was strategic. Haman presents the ugliest side of politics, the power-hungry, um, abusive, overactive, um, just what, what we're currently seeing. And Esther, uh, in complete contrast, represents a patient figure who was strategic and she was measured. She waited patiently for her plan and her case against Haman um, to come to pass for the big exposure. And then when that happened, she, her, her motive was not out of revenge. It was out of justice for the people of God. So there's so much that we can take from Esther. Esther gives us hope to engage with the tricky and sometimes messy parts of politics. It, it gives us hope that we can influence systems and legislature through strategy and wisdom. And we can stand up for what we believe in for these people uh, without compromising our Christian character, with maintaining that. Okay, on to our next one. Um, as a church, we can ins be inspired about influencing the executive arm um, with the insight like Joseph. Now, Joseph is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite Bible characters. Um, I feel like a lot of the time God takes me back to Joseph, and I, I, I can see so much of my life in his story. It's very encouraging. Joseph is one of the most powerful testimonies in the, of God's influence in the Bible, and he carried a beautiful, powerful anointing for his whole lifetime. Um, the thing that I love about Joseph, that I think that we can all learn from, is that he remained positive. And a lot of us South Africans really struggle to remain positive when the world is crumbling around us. So Joseph was pretty unfortunate from early in his life. Due to jealousy, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was in prison due, uh, due to being wrongly accused of rape. And when he secured his release um, in prison with Pharaoh's cupbearer, the cupbearer went out and completely forgot about him, which landed up costing him more time in jail. But despite all of this, Joseph never um, grumbled or complained. Uh, he, didn't, he wasn't bitter. Instead, he, ch he chose to engage positively and this attitude of Joseph is what opened the doors to influence for him. He was made head servant in Potiphar's household. He was put in charge of the very jail that he was imprisoned in. And then he became second in command to Pharaoh. The second thing is that Joseph acted with integrity. Within our country at the moment, our political leaders, a lot of them, lack integrity. Joseph not only demonstrated integrity, 
but he also demonstrated that having integrity can cost you everything. It's not necessarily going to give you freedom in, in your situation. It will give you freedom in your spirit, but it could cost you everything. Throughout the story, Joseph and Joseph's integrity seems to work against him, but the bigger picture shows that God continually honored Joseph for his strength and character. It's a vital lesson in an age where politics is riddled with deceit and scandal. And then thirdly, my favorite, Joseph had God's insight. So the main reason for Joseph's acceleration into his, his rank and office was that he had supernatural godly insight. God used him um, in the form of interpreting dreams, from the small dreams of the baker and the cupbearer, right through to the dreams of Pharaoh himself, that eventually determined national policy for over a decade in Egypt. Interpreting dreams gave Joseph insight into the future, and it helped him... Uh, in the case, to oversee a strategy for Egypt for the seven years of famine. He's probably the most, one of the most inspiring leaders, and um, one of those scriptures that we all know and we all stand about is the most inspiring scripture, and I want to read it to you because I feel, I feel like even for us right now, this is very true. Genesis 50 verses 20 says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So God gives us vision for the nation around us. He gives us divine insight in how to improve the lives of the vulnerable, the hurting, and the broken. If we believe that we as the church are the most in tune to the heart of God, then how important is it for us um, to stand in authority, to impact governmental leaders and, and decisions, to share our wisdom, share God's heart with those in power and with the community around us. In that space, we get to influence and benefit every citizen around us in South Africa. And if the church rises up to do that, that's what's nation-changing and nation-building. And then my last guy um, that we, we look at, as a church, we need to advocate for justice like Moses. I love Moses. He was a humble man. He didn't believe much in himself. He had a quite a severe speech impediment. But he had a passion for Jesus and the yes. So in Exodus 2 verses 11, it says, Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. Now, I don't want to focus on murder because we know that Moses had to deal with that. But I want to focus on Moses' justice heart. Moses was a man who carried justice in his veins. And I know that there are some of you sitting here who carry God's justice fiercely in your veins. From early on, we can see that Moses was moved by the justice heart of God. He couldn't stand to see God's people abused and mistreated. Moses did not sit idly by while he watched them suffer and be beaten. And I think that this was the quality that made Joseph, I mean, Moses one of Israel's most phenomenal, powerful leaders. The, the second thing is Moses was insecure, yet his justice heart still made him choose yes 
In Exodus 3 verses 11, it says, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Moses saw himself as someone that was not worthy. So often God positions us in a place where we don't feel worthy, we don't feel equipped, we don't feel capable, yet it's the passion inside of us that drives us to say yes. He doesn't often position us into the things that we um, feel very comfortable in, but it's, it's often that, that, that step of faith that we have to step into it because of something that moves us. God chooses who he chooses as leadership and influence. Moses was honest with his weakness and insecurity, which was a sign of being totally reliant on God. And if we are going to advocate for justice in our nation, we have to be in that same position where we are completely and utterly reliant on God. Because it's only then that his spirit can lead us in which direction to follow. So wrapping this section up, I'd just like to say that I believe that the spirit of God is calling us, like Esther, to step out and be bold in how we advocate for kingdom change in our country. In the months ahead, we, the church, will, like Moses, have to stand up in situations and declare against the bad pharaohs, let my people go. And we will be given opportunities with the good pharaohs that God is going to position to, to be a source like Joseph of insight and authority and leading and partnering with these good pharaohs to see the nation of South Africa built. Before I go into my next session, um, my next section, I know that the bacon is um, being fried. And last week, Wes has disappeared. But he told me at this point in the service, he really loses um, concentration because he can smell the wafts of bacon coming in. So please, can you fight hard against those wafts of bacon? We're almost there. We're almost there. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I'd like to read Proverbs 8 verses 1 to 6. Can't you hear the voice of wisdom? From the top of mountains of influence, she speaks into the gateways of the glorious city. At the place where pathways merge, at the entrance of every portal, there she stands ready to impart understanding, shouting aloud to all who enter, preaching her sermon to those who will listen. I'm calling to you, sons of Adam, yes, and to your daughters as well. Listen to me, and you will be prudent and wise. For even the foolish and feeble can receive an understanding heart that will change their inner being. I'm going to read that again. Even the foolish and feeble can receive an understanding heart that will change their inner being. We speak that over our leadership. The meaning of my words will release within you revelation, for you you too reign in life. My lyrics will empower you to live by what is right. Politics in its purest form is church. Politics equals the affairs of the citizens of our nation, and so does the church. We carry that responsibility to bring the kingdom of God into the community around us. It's our duty, it's our responsibility to engage with the condition of humanity on the ground. And the beautiful thing is that in God, power is not privilege, power is service. So we have endless opportunities to empower on the ground. This is going to challenge your heart. Just because government is not doing their job to serve the citizens of our country does not give us a right to not pick that up. This has broken me in many ways because for too long, South Africans have gone, it's not my job, it's the government's job. <laughs> no, it is our job. If the government's failing the people, the church will not. What can we as a church be doing in the sphere we are currently in? 
to empower those around us? What can you and I be doing to effect immediate change in those around us right now, in our workplace, in our communities? What power do we have that we can use to uplift another? Many of us do not understand the power and influence that we carry, how that can shift somebody's life, somebody's future in the smallest ways. I want to share um, a story, and I want to share the story not because I want to blow my trumpets, but I just want to give an example of how simple it is if our hearts are continually looking to, to shift somebody's life around us. A couple of weeks ago, I... I um, I support a local business um, in our area. And a couple weeks ago, their staff, this beautiful woman that work there, they finish work at 5.30 in the evening. And as winter's coming in, it's getting darker by 5.30, but quarter to six, it is pitch black. And the route these women have to walk to get their tr to their transport is on a very dangerous dark road. And the justice heart inside of me went, this is not cool because... These are moms of children, and this is dangerous um, every single night. So the justice part of me got on and sent a message to the owner of the business just saying, listen, like, um, I love your staff, and I'm concerned about them, and I don't know what the solution is, but is there any way that you can look into a different plan because it's late for these ladies to be walking in the dark? And um, it was the most beautiful outcome because these ladies just came to me and were just like, thank you, thank you so much. Um, because in their influence, they couldn't shift the influence in their situation, but their boss actually landed up organizing a lift at 5.30 to the taxi rang, which actually means that they were getting home to their children earlier as well, and less danger, in, in less danger. And church, this is the very, it didn't cost me much. It just cost me being brave and speaking up for someone who didn't have the voice. Um, it doesn't cost us m much to pop a few of this, those beautiful Cezanne kids in our car in the morning and give them a lift to school to ensure that they are there safely in the morning. It doesn't cost us much to put um, one of these beautiful uh, housekeepers that walk up these t long, treacherous hills to enable them to go home earlier. Pop them in your car. It doesn't cost you anything. It just costs you kindness. But it builds a bridge the minute God begins to shift something in you where there's a discontentment, that's his voice. Where you see discontentment, where you feel discontentment, God is speaking. Listen to that. You have influence to change the future of the community and those people around you. What is God calling us to do as a church? We need, and this is huge, guys, we need to see our government as ours. Hear me here. Our Amshlali Police Station our Sanzani School, our Amshlali Preparatory, our Beaches, our Belito Taxi Rank, our Churches, Link, Freedom House, Grace, ours, ours, our Sharkers Head Community. When the church begins to shift, shift its perspective on what God has given us to govern, and we begin to take the responsibility on us, we begin to engage in a kingdom government and in a kingdom power that really changes the nation. So um, I want to, in two days, we get to the opportunity to go and make our mark. 
And I want to encourage those of you who may be considering not voting, I want to encourage you to go make your mark. People have died for us to have the freedom to do this for our country. Oh, Jesus. Jesus is the hope and redemption of South Africa. His master plan for government is us, the church. It doesn't matter. It's not dependent on the president, guys. It's time for us as the church to rise up. It's time for us to begin to shift our focus off of the future of our nation led by a politician or a man and to focus on the fact that God has been weaving through our nation for decades. And he's not done. He's not done. Wow, Jesus, you're doing something right now in our hearts, God, and we are open for that. We do not want to be the same, God. We want to rise up and influence and impact God. Will we choose to partner with him? Will you choose to partner with words of life over our country? Will you join me as we declare order to the chaos and truth into the fear right now? Will you rejoice with me as we see revival breaking out in our streets and in our homes? Will you dream with me for the future of South Africa? Will you pray that God's hand would be evident that it would shift people's hearts to salvation? Despite the result of the end result of Wednesday's election, will you choose to believe that God's plan for our nation is greater than any political party? that great saying that says, no matter who is president, Jesus is king. I'm excited. I'm expectant. And I'm not expecting for really, you know, we can carry on living as South Africans, but I'm, I'm expecting for the church to rise up like never before. It is now time, church, for us to rise up to love the citizens, to govern the citizens, to change what happens in this country. So I want to read a a scripture in closing. Before I do that, I want to just have a little, my little say in here, a little disclaimer. On Tuesday night, it's a, it's a far drive over the river. You can pack your overnight bag, okay? But please come join us as we worship. Please come join us as we release declaration over our country. Rashid and I will be leading our Rise Up together again. Probably for the, well, hopefully it won't be for the last time, but we get to do it live again, which is just amazing because it's an honor. Come and join us. Carpool, come. I'd love to see our Salt Rock community representing there. So I want to end with this beautiful scripture in Psalm 85. If you have your, um, you, what's it, you version on your phones, it's the, tra- the Passion Translation version. But as we read it, can you put South Africa into the Israel slot? Okay. Lord, your love has poured out so many amazing blessings on our land. You've restored Israel's destiny from captivity You've forgiven our many sins and covered every one of them in your love. 
So now it's obvious that your blazing anger has ended and the furious fire of wrath has been extinguished by your mercy. So bring us back to loving you, God our Savior. Restore our hearts so that we will never again feel the anger, your anger rise against us. Will you forever hold a grudge? Will your anger endure for all time? Revive us again, O oh God. I know you will. Give us a fresh start. And then all your people will taste your joy and gladness. Pour out even more of your love on us. Reveal more of your kindness and restore us back to you. Now I'll listen carefully for your voice. God, now as a church, we will listen carefully for your voice. We will wait to hear whatever you say. Let us hear your promise of peace, the message every one of your godly lovers longs to hear. Just don't let us in our ignorance turn back from following you. For I know your power and presence shines on all your lovers. Your glory always hovers over all who bow low before you. Your mercy and your truth have married each other. Your righteousness and peace have kissed. Flowers of your fruitfulness are blooming on the earth. Righteousness shines down from the sky. Yes, the Lord keeps raining down blessing after blessing. And prosperity will drench the land of South Africa, with a bountiful harvest. For deliverance and peace are his forerunners preparing a path for his steps. Can we stand as I pray and commission you? God, I thank you that your church is your plan for hope and glory in the nation of South Africa. God, we stick up our hands right now and we say, God, we never want to be complacent. We want to keep stepping in to impact our nation in ways that only you can, God. We want to hear the smallest whisper. We want your kingdom strategy. We want you to invade our hearts, God, because Deliverance and peace are his forerunners, God, and we carry that. And you're preparing the paths for your steps, God, through us. So today, God, we just thank you for South Africa. We thank you that as a nation that you love dearly, that you have weaved throughout um, decades. And God, I just thank you for peace over our land now. As a church, we just release peace over our land now, God, ahead of Wednesday's elections. To every poll, God, voting poll, voting station, we release the, a spirit of peace. We release a spirit of unity, God. I just thank you for the votes and how you are calling leaders into positions. God, we partner with you, and we thank you, God, that the church, the body would rise up and I ask that you would position people in our government, position influential church leaders to, to speak truth into governmental leaders that you are now positioning. We thank you for hope. We thank you for peace. We thank you for joy and excitement that the world will see South Africa and they will see and know you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Kim. That was incredible. Thank you so much. Um, guys, I, I really don't, don't have much to add. I mean, that was amazing. My thought is that if the church, that is a picture of what the church should be about. It's a conviction about partnering with God with what he's doing to bring righteousness and his kingdom into this place. And it's not about kings. It's not about Rashid and his beautiful family that's, that's joined us. It's about partnering and understanding what Jesus and God is doing and taking that and living it out. So as a community, we just pray that we, we so 
in awe of you two guys and for what you are doing. And we are so thankful that God has placed you in our community to encourage us and to build us up in that space. Guys, please join us um, for bacon rolls and coffee. Um, but before I do that, Nat. So I'm just going to say this quickly. I know it looks like the holy trinity of SA Tackies with the three of us. But I was just so struck today by the fact that, um, you know, very often if you wear a flag, it speaks a whole lot and it can cause a lot of angst and division and it can cause people to make assumptions. And you know what's incredible is that I know when I wear these flipping tackies of mine, I know that there are EFF people going, awesome shoes. And there are DA people going, I love your shoes. And there are NC people just like, love those. And, you know, our flag is the most unified, incredible flag. Like, our flag speaks to unity. And I'm not trying to tell you to go and get Tapuga tackies. I just, I just wanted to celebrate that for a moment and to say that focus on the unity, because there is actually a lot of it. There are people working to make division, but I'm telling you, the unity and the togetherness in this land is bigger.